The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. James Renahan. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Oh, Lord. Because of your grace, we come to you this morning and ask you to bless us now as we contemplate your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Turn in your Bibles to Paul's second letter to Timothy. I have a long passage that I want to read this morning. 2 Timothy, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 1 and reading through verse 13 of chapter 2. Hear the word of God. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which... I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, 
that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy for, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. May God's blessing be on this reading from his holy word. Well, this morning, I have good news and bad news for you. I wonder which should go first. I thought about actually taking a vote, but we won't do that. I'll give you the bad news first. The ministry is difficult. The ministry is stretching and challenging and humbling, and it drives you away from yourself, and it brings you to your knees before the Lord. Now I'll give you the good news. The ministry is difficult. The ministry is stretching and challenging and humbling, and it drives you away from yourself, and it drives you onto your knees to the Lord. The good news and the bad news are the same. The gospel ministry is full of joy and blessing, but it is also exceedingly difficult. It exposes our weaknesses and inadequacies, and it drives us to our knees. The Apostle Paul understood this very well. We see this evidenced in his litany of troubles as they are recorded for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He saw the need to address this reality in the pastoral epistles, giving encouragement to his colleagues who have been sent out in the face of these difficulties and discouragements. Now we know from a canvas of Paul's letters that Timothy was his best assistant. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the apostle said that he had no one like Timothy. He was the outstanding servant among many useful gospel ministers. And yet Timothy was weak, and Timothy was fearful, so much so that Paul regularly exhorts him to put aside his timidity and to fulfill his ministry. Sometimes I wish that his English name was translated as timidity, not Timothy because that characterized what he was about. In several places, the apostle urges his young friend on. Timothy, outstanding though he was, was a real person. He wasn't a hero, but he was someone like us. He was a recipient of the grace of God, a stalwart advocate for the faith, and at the same time, a weak man. We see this in several places in our passage. For the sake of time, just notice verse 8 of chapter 1, where Paul here reminds Timothy not to be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Paul knew Timothy well, and he knew about Timothy's danger. And when he writes to Timothy, he seeks to help him, to urge him on, to encourage him in the face of difficulties. He wanted to help his brother to press on in the face of his own besetting temptation. Even though Timothy was outstanding, he was tempted to turn away because of his fear, because of his shame. Timothy, Paul says, you must remember your place in the purpose of God. You must remember why you have been chosen and use this as a means to carry on your ministry as well as a, uh, a help to pass this on to the next generation. Now, we certainly don't have the time to open up the, the entire text. Let me just make a few remarks on this text this morning. 
I'm especially interested in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2. Very familiar words where Paul tells Timothy to be strengthened in grace and to take the things that he has heard and pass on to others. Now, in the context, of course, the things that Timothy is to pass on to others really is the gospel. Paul details that for us in verses 9 and following of chapter 1. The context here is very important. Paul reminds Timothy that God is the one who has saved us, who has saved him, and God is the one who, after that salvation, has called him to live a holy calling. He reminds Timothy that salvation is all of grace. He wants Timothy to remember the fact that when he was born, he was an enemy of God. And by his own choice, he made himself an enemy of God. He lived in sin and was a sinner. He was a man who pursued his own ways, who raised his fist to heaven, who served his idols, who sought for satisfaction, but who was the recipient of the grace of God and was saved only by the action of God. Not by his own works, but rather because God sent his son, the eternal God became incarnate, gave himself up to a life of obedience, and then died upon the cross, enduring the wrath of God, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and now is seated at the right hand of God. He took our place and for us endured the wrath of God. Timothy, you are what you are in Christ, not by your own actions, but you are what you are because God has called you. While you were a criminal, while you were due the penalty of death, he sent his son to take your punishment. And remember that your salvation is all of God, all of free grace, and all of mercy and love. And Timothy, remember that because God is the one who has done this, he has called you to a holy calling. This gracious salvation leads to a life of thankful obedience to the one who has saved you. To walk in newness of life. We know that that's a frequent theme in the writings of the apostle. Timothy, be characterized by holiness of life in yourself. As a minister of the gospel, seek for holiness of life in others. Encourage it in them. Model it in yourself and pursue it for the future. But once again, all of this is God's work. He plans it. He accomplishes it and he applies it to our salvation. And so here in the context, as Paul addresses Timothy about pressing on in the work of the ministry, he begins with God. He wants Timothy to think through the fact that the difficulties that he faces ultimately are resolved in the fact that God is the one who has saved him and God is the one who has called him to this ministry, to this responsibility that he has. Now, what's really interesting in the context, I've been preaching on this text in, uh, lately in the different churches that I've been able to visit around the country. What I find interesting in this context is the fivefold chain that Paul presents here that he wants Timothy to think through as he encourages Timothy to press on in his ministry. Paul doesn't simply turn Timothy to the past to think about his experience of salvation that has come from God. But he also thinks about the forward movement, the spread of the gospel. And he places that in a divine context as well. Just as the gospel itself is the work of God, so also is it spread. And Timothy is involved in that spread concurrently in his own ministry, but also looking forward into the future as Timothy trains others to take his place when his time comes 
to go to heaven. You know, usually uh, this passage, 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 7, has been misused and co-opted by parachurch groups. It's separated from its context and misused. This is not a text about discipling, as some groups want to say. They want everybody to go out and disciple someone else. That's not what it's about. It's about ministerial service, and ultimately it's about ministerial preparation. It's what Paul tells Timothy to do to provide for the next generation and the generation after that, and on and on, even down to our own day and to the generations that lie ahead of us. And Paul does this by placing this forward movement of the gospel into a five-fold chain. Notice how this works in the text. Paul says first that the gospel originates in heaven. We see this in verses 11 and 12 of chapter 1, where Paul reminds Timothy, he says, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the gospel, which is why I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. That which Paul has as an apostle and a preacher and a teacher is something that has been given to him from heaven. And so the first link in this chain is the link in which Paul identifies the origination of his gospel. It comes from heaven. It has come from heaven, and it has been granted and given to Paul. Paul is the second link in the chain. It originates above. It's not something that originated with Paul. It's not something that he found by searching. It wasn't the result of a fortuitous discovery, but rather it came to Paul by divine appointment. Both the message that he proclaims and the office that he holds is by divine appointment. Now, if Timothy is thinking rightly, and he's beginning to apply this to himself, he recognizes that his own office as a gospel preacher comes by divine appointment. That ought to give a lot of consolation and comfort, oughtn't it, in the face of the difficulties of the ministry. But I guess I'm jumping ahead of myself. The gospel originates in heaven, and it comes to Paul. But maybe now you can already see where I'm going with this. From Paul, it goes to Timothy. Paul instructs Timothy in verses 1 and 2 to take the things that he has heard, this gospel that has originated in heaven, that has come to Paul and that has been given to Timothy, that which you've heard, and pass it on to others also. Timothy, through divine grace, has received both the gospel and the office that he occupies. In verse 12 of chapter 1 and verse 14 of chapter 1, Paul uses the identical word translated for us here, deposit. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. The deposit that was given to Paul is the same deposit that was given to Timothy, the gospel. The body of doctrine that is contained in scripture, proclaimed and taught by Paul, is handed over to Timothy. And Timothy is charged with proclaiming it and teaching it. Not innovative ideas, not personal convictions, but the same identical pattern of sound words. We could talk about confessionalism right now, but that's not on the agenda for this morning. Now, Timothy then is to take this, so you, you get the idea, from heaven to Paul, from Paul to Timothy. Now, Timothy is to take this same gospel and pass it on to faithful men. That's the fourth link. And then those faithful men are to pass it on to others. That's the fifth link. 
That's the chain in the context. Of course, Paul, when he wrote this epistle, didn't uh, give to us chapter and verse headings. He's writing a letter. And in the letter, he's emphasizing to Timothy that he's a member of this chain, this ongoing movement. God has saved him and God has called him. And Timothy, your responsibility is to put this into practice. And notice in verse 1, by the grace of God. As he wants to strengthen and encourage Timothy, as he wants to give him comfort and help to move forward in his work, he turns him to God's grace. What originated in heaven, what must be passed on to others, ultimately comes back to the grace of God. And he tells Timothy to be strengthened in this. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, you have fears. Timothy, you're in danger of being ashamed. Timothy, there may be temptations to put aside your ministry. We noticed at the end of chapter 1 how he mentioned some who turned away. I think it's significant that that's in the context as well. Earlier on in the chapter, Paul talks about those who went before, his own descendants who followed after the grace of God, and Timothy's grandmother and mother who followed after the, God. He's give, after the grace of God. He's giving him all kinds of encouragements, but he also shows him the dangers. And he tells Timothy to be strong in grace. Timothy, take comfort in this. And this comfort that is given to Timothy is a comfort that is given to all who minister. Be strengthened in God's grace. In the face of the difficulties of the ministry. Timothy, think of God's work. Do your work. Prepare others for the work. But recognize that it's God's work. It's God's work. And so be strong in this grace. You know, I said a few minutes ago that I had good news and bad news. Well, that's true. Paul doesn't in any way mitigate the difficulties of the gospel ministry that is before Timothy. He doesn't say, oh, you know, it's not so bad. In fact, he gives him a very realistic picture here in the context of what he faces, but he encourages to go on in the strength of grace. He turns Timothy away from himself and the danger and the fear, and he turns him to God. The gospel ministry is ultimately all God's work. You know, when it's viewed from a human perspective, it's bad news to think about the gospel ministry. We, we had a brother speaking to us a couple of weeks ago who, who told us about some of his work and the difficulty of the work that he has been involved in in counseling and helping pastors who face the difficulty of the ministry. I'm sure some of you remember that. When we view the ministry from a human perspective, it is bad news because it's difficult. But when we look at it from a divine perspective, it's all good news because it originates in God. Because he's the one who gives us the strength moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year to press on. So Timothy, be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And Paul would say the same to us when we face the difficulties of the ministry, be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Look to him. Find in him what you need. And because of that, don't be ashamed. Don't be fearful. Don't go back. But press on, because you do the work in the strength of God. Well, may God's blessing be on this brief word from Scripture. Let's pray. Our Father, we're grateful that we are not alone, that in your divine providence, 
you have called us into your service, and that you have given to us all of the resources necessary to complete the task that you've given us. We don't strive in our own efforts. We rely upon your grace. And in the midst of our weakness, we see your strength. We thank you for this reminder in the life of someone who is like us and yet was able to endure because he depended upon you. Do this work in us as well. And help us in the face of the difficulties that present themselves to us to be strong in your grace. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. We're dismissed. Copyright 2016, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.